You know, um, Justin said something about uh, he was a substitute. Well, you think about me. I'm the third man down the list. <laughs> that doesn't make you feel very secure. Did you know that? If you're third man. But I've always thought, well, better to be a substitute than nothing at all. I remember, we all remember, those of us who played ball, any kind of ball, I remember playing football, and I can tell you all the good things I did. <clears throat> Very rarely have I ever told you about the bad things that I did. I remember we were playing Russellville. The Marlton Devil Dogs were playing Russellville. At that year, on that year, Russellville was the second best team in Arkansas. Central in Little Rock was always a powerhouse. They had the number one team. Russellville had number two. It was a cold November night. I was a sophomore, so I was on the bench. And the game was going on, and, and we were really playing them a good game. They were leading us 60 to nothing. <clears throat> True. And so we're down to about the last 30 seconds of the game. And coach turned around and looked way down at the end of the bench. I was sitting down there. He said, come here, Ben. And so I run over to him. He said, you go in there and run the last play. You can't do any worse than the rest of them. <laughs> Encouragement. Man. I go in the game. They called my number to go off tackle, right tackle. And over there was a, we had a big old in named Jimmy Kinnamer. Jimmy was six foot seven and just about that big around. And so I would run right off of his backside, okay? And so they called my number, I take off to the goal, and I was closer to the goal than I am to these kids down front here. And so it opened up, and I saw the goal line, and I said, I'm going to score against Russellville. That had been a big thing. And so I take out for the goal, and I'm about two steps from the goal, and Jimmy Kenimer, the big old tall end, stuck his leg up and tripped me. My own man tripped me, and I fell about that short of the goal. And the referee said, game's over, time's over. So I had my moment of glory playing Russellville. I almost scored. In a, so a lot of times, you know, we uh, have to substitute fill in for somebody. I'm filling in for the pastor asking God to help me today to talk to you about some things that have uh, been on my heart for a while. 
I want to talk to you about searching for refuge. Searching for help. Looking for help. Asking God to help us do things that we need to do for Him. We are always thinking about being discouraged. Many of you this year has been a year of discouragement. The last year and a half, can you think, folks, of any time in history when we've basically had more problems than we have right now? Yet we say, oh, everything's all right. Nothing's wrong. Yes, there's a lot of things wrong. You are discouraged in many facets of your life. You're discouraged about things that you've never been discouraged about before. Where does it come from? Where does this discouragement come from? Sometimes it feels like a dry, barren wind off of a lonely desert. That's how it feels. Sometimes inside we begin to wilt. At other times it feels like a chilling mist. We become discouraged. The stripes in our lives get wider and wider and leaves us feeling vulnerable and exposed to the world. You say, Pastor, what causes that? I really don't know. Isn't that a real answer for you? I can't name it to you. I don't know all the reasons we get down, have discouragements. I don't even know most of the reasons, but I do know one of the reasons. We don't have a refuge. That's one of the reasons. Sheltered from a lot of things in our lives, all of a sudden we're exposed to a lot of hard things. You know people who care enough to listen to you? Let me ask you that question again. Do you know any person in your personal life who has time to listen to your problems? Most of us do not. We don't have time. You know somebody that you can trust with the secrets of your life? The things you think? The things you are studying? The things you wonder about? Do you know that you need a place of harbor to go to for help? When you feel weather-worn, blasted by the storms of life. Let me get specifically, painfully true to you today. Where do you turn when the bottom drops out? Most people you know and I know 
most people in this room have no one to run to. There's no one there. If you turn the corner looking for them, they're not there. That's a sad commentary, isn't it? Very sad. But it's true. When the storms come, many times we have no one to run to. Or when you face an issue in your life that's embarrassing, maybe even scandalous in your life. Do you have a time like that? You just discovered your son is a practicing homosexual. You didn't know that. You didn't want that. You didn't know that was happening. Your mate is thinking about and talking about divorce or separation. You wonder about that. Your daughter has run away for the sixth time. Not even thinks that she, the unwed daughter, pregnant. A hard time. You lost your job and it was your fault. Nobody else's fault. Your fault. Financially, you've blown it. You've wasted your money. You've misspent. You didn't mean to do that, but it's your fault. You're going to jail for breaking the law. You didn't mean to do that, but it just kept going deeper and deeper. And finally, the law caught up with you. What, what's your need? If all those things are happening to you, what's your need? You need a shelter. Every one of us need a shelter. You need a listener, someone to listen to you, someone who understands. <clears throat> but to whom do you turn when there's no one to tell your troubles to? There's an old song about that. When do you find encouragement or where do you find it? I'd like to call your attention in the Word of God to a man who found rest and who found repair for his life. His name, you know it, David. He needed help desperately in his life. He was cornered. He was bruised. Adversity was all around him and struggling with a law of self-esteem. <clears throat> he, he wrote down these words in what we would call today a journal. He wrote down some things. Listen to what he said to us in Psalm 31, 1 and 2. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. 
deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. Failing in strength, wounded in spirit, David cries out of a need for refuge in his life. The Hebrew term speaks of protective place, a protective place. That's what David was looking for, a protective place, a place of security. That's what David was looking for. He tells the Lord that he, Jehovah God, became his refuge. In him, the troubled man found a safe place. Safe. Why do we need refuge? As I read through the Psalm 23, <coughs> and then on over through Psalm 31, I find out reasons why we need refuge. Eyes get red from weeping. Look at verse 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, <coughs> for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my inward parts. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed because of sin. <coughs> we have lots of problems, don't we? Eyes get red, meaning we cry. Sorrow is weighty, pressing down on us. Depression is that serpent of despair, slithering silently through the soul's back door. That's where we are. Like a snake, it slithers through our lives, this word of depression and sorrow. I hope it never happens to you, but most of us in this room have experienced that. We doubt that God cares for us. Does he really care for me? Doubting is a person and our prayers. We doubt even our prayers. Doubting even there is a God. We doubt that. Sitting, staring, wild eye into space, desperately waiting out the human race. We'd like to end it up right now. It's heavy, heavy on our shoulders, and we don't understand what's happening about us. That's why we need refuge, because we are sinful, and sin accuses us. And right now in this room, sin is accusing people in this room right now. You say, How, what do you mean by that? I mean, we feel guilty of things that we're doing out of the will of God. And so many are out of the will of God now. 
their hearts are breaking and they're just staring into space, desperately waiting out the human race. And they, you can say it over and over again how heavy that is because that's deep and that is something that we all experience. The church is not growing and it's your fault. And you say, you accusing us, preacher? Yes, and I'm accusing Ben Rao. Church not growing. Why is it not growing? We all say, oh, yeah, well, maybe the preaching's not good, or maybe the music's not good, or, or you know, something's wrong. Listen, folks, whatever is out there wrong with the church, it's us. We're the fault. We're the one that causes it. So the church is not growing. Your Sunday school class is not growing. Whose fault is it? It's your fault, my fault. We're in, we're in the blame for that. We can't blame anyone else. We're tortured also here in Psalm 31, 11 through 13. We're tortured by the whispers of others. The thought of what people are saying is more important than anything else to us. We worry about what the world thinks about us rather than what God thinks about us. So if your class is not growing, it's your fault. It's what we're doing or not doing. We need to take accord to that. We need to think, I need to get hold of this and I need to do something about it. I need to do something about it. I remember my second church, Hayward Baptist Church in Hayward, Missouri, it was really Macedonia Baptist Church. And I remember about that church, and I was, went to a, an associational meeting. And uh, we had one multimillionaire in our church, one. And she owned a big farm, had all the money in the world she wanted, all the things she ever wanted in her life. And uh, she was sitting behind me at the, this associational meeting. And our little old church was struggling. They barely could pay my salary. Sometimes I had to wait till all the deposits were in on Monday so I could get my check. And so uh, we were talking about paying the preacher. This preacher was preaching about pay, paying the preacher. And she leaned over and punched me on the shoulder. And I turned around and looked at her. And she said, uh, are they still behind on your salary? Are they still behind on your salary? And she was a multi-millionaire. And yet she was worried about they. It was her. If she did tithe, you know, I'd, I, 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 we didn't have Walmart back then. I would have taken 8%. It's besides 10 from her. Are they behind? You see, we blame someone else for what's happening. We need a refuge to go to, a place to hide, a place to heal. Heal your soul, heal your body, heal your spirit. We need that. You say, Pastor, how can I find that? Why not share David's shelter? 
the one he called my strength, the one he called my mighty rock, the one he called my fortress, the one he called my stronghold, the one he called my high tower. David's refuge never failed, never. It always was a, not even one time did David fail in looking for the right refuge in his life. David never regretted following God. The times he dropped away was when he fell out of fellowship with God. David never regretted turning to God when that would happen to him. He never regretted running for cover. That's what we have to what we have to do. Run for cover. Run as hard as we can. Get, get away from all the temptations that come our way. Get away from the uh, things that tempt us to do the wrong things. Don't be afraid to call for help. Let me say that to you again. Do not be afraid to call for help. God wants our lifestyle. We have a lifestyle. God wants our lifestyle to be better than we think He does. I'm too stubborn. I'm too prone to slow down when I should rush ahead for God. I'm too proud to ask for help. Are you there? I've been there a lot of times in my life. Just proud. So proud that I won't say, God, I need you. In the world right now, if it's beginning in your life to feel rotten and low down, if it's too big and too heavy for you to carry, I'm going to suggest to you today one of the few four-letter words God loves to hear His people say. There are four-letter words that He wants you to say. I believe number one is say, help. God wants you, God wants me to use the word help. Send us help, Lord. I'm in too big a hurry. I need your help. When our backs are against the wall, and if I'd ask you to raise your hand and you'd be honest with me today, I'd say, how many in this room you feel like your back is against the wall? Most of you, I'm going to say all of you, but most of you would raise your hand and say, my back is against the wall. I need help. God, look at me. Listen to me. He said, bend your ear to me. David said that. Bend your ear to me, little God. We will cry out, God, I have to have your help right now. Not tomorrow, right now. So don't, don't be afraid of that four-letter word, help. God, help me.
Matthew 11 says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's there for you, right where you are. He's there for you now. Cry out with a loud voice, Help, help. I need you, Lord. I need you so much. Help me right now. I love you, Lord. I trust you. Come now and give me peace and give me rest and give me healing. For I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, there's people in this room that need you desperately. And they're just so proud they won't ask you. Lord, take away the pride and let us right now ask you for the help that's needed in our lives. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.